turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. While you're turning there, let me, um, let me say again, thank you, not just for being here, but uh, church, last week we had our holiday ministries. We took up our holiday ministries offering. That offering goes to um, support missionaries and ministries around East Texas and, and literally around the world. And um, this is one of my, my, my most favorite things that we do uh, uh, throughout the year is be able to give and to sow to others because God's given us so much. I, how many people, do we have any people just love to give? I mean, just love to give. I love to give, love to bless others. And so um, I want to say thank you. you. You did an exceptional thing last week. You gave over $6,500 uh, in an offering. So give, go ahead and give the Lord a hand for that this morning, all right? <clears throat> all right, I said, give the Lord a hand, all right? There we go, the big hand, all right? We are gonna have, a, we're gonna have to have a class on how to clap appropriately, so, right? We've got that golf clap down. I think we need to go crazy for the Lord sometimes, amen? So, so thank you, uh, thank you for your, for your giving. You know, one of the things that I enjoyed uh, during the holidays, our holiday, our Thanksgiving was a, was a great time. We had family over and um, we just had a good time with the grandkids and the eating and the eating too much and all that. But later in the day, and I don't know, maybe some of you did this too, but later in the day, things kind of settled down, kind of propped back in the chair. And, and I grabbed my phone <clears throat> and I started flipping through Facebook. Did anybody, did anybody else do this and just look at all of the pictures of people gathered together. I'm not saying you have to do it, but, but it blessed me to see happy families, to see people enjoying times together, to see people um, just uh, celebrating, you know, the, the fact that they're part of a, of a family. And, um, and, and I really do. That, that, that really, really blessed me. You know, that, that's what family should be about. Some of you may think, you know, why, why in the world would you do a series over the next few weeks, a series of messages about fix my family. Well, well, there's a few reasons I want to share. One of the reasons is because I don't think we really understand what God's purpose and God's plan, God's heart for families is. See, I, I believe that God's plan is for blessing, it's for benefit, it, it's, it's for beauty to, be, to just be unveiled in this thing called family so the world could see it. And and, and, and that's what I loved. I loved seeing husbands and wives standing together, the whole family standing together, everybody saying cheese at the same time. <laughs> I loved seeing that. I loved seeing, you know, the, just this beauty because that's, that's really is what God's purpose, God's intention is. I believe that God created family and that family is still at the heart of his plan for men and women, for boys and girls, and, and to be a picture of his love of his love for, um, for all people, that it should be seen in the life of families. I believe that family done God's way is the most wonderful, the most enjoyable, the most healthy, the most life-giving, the safest place, it should be the safest place in all the world. It's called family. In, in, in Ephesians chapter five, Paul, <clears throat> and goes into chapter six, but in Ephesians chapter five, Paul kind of gives and paints what I believe is a picture of what this family, of what this happy family looks like. He, um, he starts with this and he says this. He says, beginning in verse 20, he says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. He says, wives, 
submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also the wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, without wrinkle. In the same ways, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it, that it refers to Christ and to the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents. Should I repeat that one again? Right, Children, right? obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment without, with, with promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction. One translation says the admonition of the Lord. Now, some people may read this as a, as a list of rules, but that's not how I read it. That's not what I see. What I see is God painting a picture and he's saying to the, he's like, he says, you know what? Here's the life, the spirit-filled life of a, of a New Testament follower of Jesus Christ. Well, here's what it looks like. It looks like, first and foremost, everybody has submitted their life to Jesus. Everyone has submitted to the Lord. And, and then we have husbands who will be honored and, and they're going to be respected. Studies show us that, that the two greatest needs of, of men is to be honored to be, to be respected, that, that's kind of one of those intrinsic needs in our lives. And, and so in, in, a, in a spiritual home then, there's gonna be honor and respect given to husband, wives. Wives are gonna be loved, they're gonna be covered, they're gonna be provided for, they're gonna be protected. Man, they're, they're, they're not gonna be abused, they're not, gonna be, they're not just gonna be seen as, as, as somebody to do the dishes and cook the food, they're gonna, they're gonna be loved. And I, I, I think God's painting a beautiful picture here for us. Children will be loved, they're going to be taught, they're going to be led, they're going to be trained. Parents are going to be united together in bringing up their children as blessings from God to accomplish His purposes. And man, doesn't that sound like a beautiful picture of what families should be in our world? And that's part of the reason that we're doing a series called Fix My Families, because, God, because that's what God wants to do. He wants to take wherever our lives are and wherever the picture, this picture, is out of focus in our family, and he wants to fix it. He wants to bring it into a place where that beautiful picture of blessedness is flowing through our families and all the relations there. A second reason that we're doing this, uh, this series of messages is because family, families are flawed. Now, I know your family doesn't have any flaws, but has anybody ever seen a family that had maybe some flaws in it? I think we all have, <laughs> haven't we? You know, as much as God's desire for families is all for good, the truth is there's no perfect family. Now, I know that's a surprise. I'll let you soak that in for a minute. There's no such thing as a perfect family. 
As a matter of fact, and I think one of the greatest things about the Bible that separates it from all the documents of history, of history and, and, and about the Christian religion, the, is that, you know what, God lays all of our dirty laundry all, all the way back to Adam and Eve. He lays the dirty laundry right out on the table. You see, the Bible's filled with stories about families, but not perfect families. As a matter of fact, in the very first family, we see a problem, don't we? We see Adam and Eve, they, they get, first of all, they, they disobey God. They stop submitting themselves into the Lord, and that begins to cause problems. And, and then one person does something, the other person does something. And then when they get caught in it, all of a sudden, shame, they're shameful, they're covering up. And, and then when accountability comes, then they're blaming other people, right? Oh, the wife that you gave me, Lord, it was her, it was the serpent. It was, and shame has just begun to run downhill through the ages. Sibling division takes place, murder, and then ultimately a curse that would last throughout generations that took place through that family. Even when God paints, when God talks about himself, and this may be news to some, but you know that when God's talking about himself in scripture, he, deci- he describes himself as a divorced person. He said that, that, that I've been divorced from Israel, that, that my, my, my wife, my spouse, that they've, they've gone out and they've played the harlot, they've, they've divorced me, but he kept taking her back, taking her back, drawing her back. And God, see, God understands that families sometime, uh, sometimes come with hurt and with pain and, and with disappointment. God, God's very aware of that. And, and there may be families, there may be people here today, and I that, that have never experienced any hurt, never experienced any pain, never had any, any trauma in your life, never any disappointment that's happen, happened within the context of family. And, and if that's true today of you and your family, then, then I want to stop for a second and say, you know what, that is a very special treasure. This, this is a, an amazing gift that God has, has given to you and, and you need to hold on to that gift and you need to, you need to treasure that gift and you need to, valuable, you need to value the, just, just the great heritage that God has given you. But there are also today a lot of people that are here that have experienced hurt within the context of family that really does go beyond human description. It's pain that... that, that reaches beyond the reach of medication. It's, it's hurt, it's disappointment that, that really goes truly beyond, beyond description. Words, words fail to describe the pain and the angst and the, the hurt that is, that is just traumatized multitudes of lives within the ranks of family. Not how it should be, not how God wants it to be, not how God wanted it to be. But still, it's very true. Some of that pain today is very fresh. Some of it's not something that happened decades ago or generations ago, but it's something that's happened very recently. It's the, it's the husband that's thrown in the towel and says, I just can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't go any further. I can't, I, can't, uh, I, I, can't, I can't put in the work, put in the effort to, to fight for this family and has walked out. He's thrown in the towel and left a trail of devastation. A parent who, who's, who's facing, who's standing, looks in the mirror today and, and feels the rejection 
of a child that says, I'm, I'm cutting you out. I'm, 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 I'm putting up a wall. I'm, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to interact with you. I'm going I'm to be my own person, do my own thing, go my own way. And, and there's, I, I know that there's people here, there's parents here that, that today, that, that when I even talk about that, that it just it, it causes a swell of emotions. And, and folks, I'm just telling you that, that we're very aware that that type of pain is, is, is real and it's present in people's lives today. The teen or the 20-something who's, who's been neglected, you've been ignored, and you, you've tried to speak up, and you've tried to have a voice, and you've tried to be part of, of your family, but somehow or another, you've, you've been kind of just pushed aside, and you've been given that, hey, better, better seen than heard mentality. And let me tell you, that's not the Bible. That's not God's heart. And I, and I want to say this very openly. That's not our heart as a church. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, all of our millennials, all of our teens, all of our youth, they have a, have a voice. We care. We, we, you have a voice in this body, in this church, and in this family. But I'm aware that that pain, that that, that hurt exists there. I know that there are, <coughs> excuse me, I know that there are families that are struggling to keep your heads above water and that the financial pressures and the stress of, of working multiple jobs and, and, and it's just worn you down and worn you out and, and it's a very painful existence. The dreams of peace, of happiness, of godly heritage, they seem so far and so fleeting. They seemingly seem lost. That's why we're doing a series called Fix My Family. People that are living tormented with tension, with anger, with anxiety, with stress, with fear, fear about the future, fear about what's going to happen, fear about what's going to come to pass. Hey, these are all realities, realities that are, that are so present in so many families. And if we were to just go through the statistics, it's, it's just, it's embarrassing that it, that it happens not only in the world, but it happens in the church. It happens among God's people but I'm here to tell you today that in the midst of all of this, of all of this tragedy, of all of this trauma, of all, the, all these trials, all this tough stuff, I'm here today to tell you that there is hope. <laughs> There's hope. And, and if you'll just allow me this morning, even in worship, and Mike, when you were up here today, and thank you for for a great job of transitioning in ministry time, in worship, I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying today that we're contending for something in the spirit when it comes to families today. Do you understand that? That we're contending, we're, we're, we're fighting through the pain, we're fighting through the trauma, we're fighting through the, the, the heartache, we're, we're fighting through the emotions, we're fighting through that stuff and we're contending for a, for a new faith, for a new place, for a new victory, for a victory that wasn't just manifest generations or years ago, but for a, for a victory that's manifest in our families today. We're contending for it. And so listen to me, church, look at me. I'm telling you, step into it. Uh, step into it in the spirit. Step into it in your heart. Step into it in faith right now and say, I'm going to contend. I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contend. I'm going to believe for my future. I'm going to believe for my family. I'm going to believe for God's best. I'm going to believe for victory. I'm going to believe that we are overcomers and not defeated. Do you believe it today? I'm telling you. I tell you from the word of the Lord today. That God wants to do something in you, in you, 
that will change the course, the trajectory, the heritage of your family. The third reason we're doing this message is that better is possible. Better is possible for you and for your family. No matter how much strife or division, heartache or pain has been filling your family, your marriage, the parent-child relationship, and any context within the family, no matter how much has gone on, I'm telling you today, it can be better. It can be better. I'm not saying perfect, right? But I'm, I'm saying it can be better, and not only can it be better, Depending on the choices that you make today, I personally believe it will be better. It will be better. No matter how long it's, going, it's been going on, no matter how long it has existed, no matter how long you have waited and hoped and prayed, I'm telling you today, there is hope for better in the name of Jesus. Anybody say amen? Come on, folks. Do you contend for it? Receive it. Use your faith right now to grab a hold of it. There's hope for the marriage. There's hope for that marriage that's been strained and that's been broken, that's been, that's been, that's been just devastated through years. Maybe bad practices and bad patterns have, have evolved in your relationship. I'm telling you, there is hope for that marriage. There's hope for that broken relationship. I know, I've heard the stories, even through the holiday season, of people that it's been, it's been decades since we've talked to that person or that relative or, or if they're going to be there, I'm not going to be there or because they showed up that maybe Thanksgiving that you weren't giving so much thanks. I know that there's difficulties that go on. I, I know that, but I'm telling you, there is hope in that relationship. Parents, listen to me. There's hope for that prodigal child to come home. There's hope that no matter how far, how distance, how, how, how much distance there is, how, how far gone, how low they've sunk, they could even be in a, in a wayward pig pen somewhere. But I believe that, that the Spirit of God can get hold of them and they can come to themselves. And there is hope for them to return to a relationship with God and a relationship with you. I believe there's a hope There is hope for the miracle to come. I know you've prayed for it. I know you've waited for it. I know you've fought for it. I know you you think about it, and sometimes your faith is it's just ebbed at a a peak high place, and then other times it's just it's just down here. It's just it's just gone. But can I tell you today, there is hope for that miracle that you need in your life today. Listen to me, singles. There's hope. Okay. You don't have to go out and find that person on your own. God knows. And if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, I believe he'll bring that person. He'll bring the right person and he'll bring them at the right time and it'll bring the right results. It'll bring glory and honor. It'll be a picture of beauty and blessing and and it'll be something that that the world will rejoice to see. Hang in there, guys. Amen. There is hope. There is hope. I hope that we all understand that the family is one of God's primary ways, one of God's primary places, I should say, primary places that he works in our lives. It is in the, 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 the context of family that, that we learn to grow in our faith, that we learn to, to pray one for another. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm sure that you've prayed, but, but man, I don't, I don't know that if, 
if I've ever prayed and until like those times when you've, you're praying for that child that's sick and the doctor says, I, I don't know what to do. I, I was thinking about this and I remember when uh, Bradley was born, we lived on, a, on an island and, uh, and I don't remember exactly how old he was. Well, we left the island when he was 18 months old, so he, he was young. And, uh, and one night he was, and he's just burning up with fever. And, 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 and I can remember Yvette and I praying and, and saying, God, what, what do we do? And God, you, you've got to show up. And, and God, just God, come and, and release from this fever. I mean, you know, and, and the, the, the fear that tries to, to grip your heart during those times and those seasons. And then Yvette reaches out to somebody and, and just by chance, <laughs> does anybody have any of those by chance things that take place after you pray? You know what I found out? I found out a lot of coincidences take place when you pray, right? <laughs> so, but by chance, a doctor had sailed their sailboat into the harbor of the island that we lived on. And so at three o'clock in the morning, I'm out in this knocking on the side of the, of the boat for this doctor to come and, and come to the house. And can I tell you, you know what it's like to pray when you're praying for a loved one. And God uses family to teach us how to, to grow our faith, how to, a family's one of the primary places that we learn how to, to refine our love. Amen? I'm, I'm just telling you, family, family is done right, God's way is the greatest thing, the most beautiful thing in the world. But family can also be just one of those places when that last nerve is sticking out, people do river dances on it. You know what I'm talking about, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, really? You had to go there today? You had to say that? You had to act like that? You had to, to do that thing? And, and we get to learn, we get to grow and, and to refine the ability to live in agape, endless love, not giving to get. I'm telling you what, you live in that mentality of give to get and after a while there won't be anything there to get. We learn to develop a love that goes beyond our own abilities. And can I, we learn to develop a, a dependence upon God. Because God, there's times when as perfect and wonderful and beautiful and as amazing as she is, God, I need your help, <laughs> you know? Right? If I need his help, you can only imagine what she needs, right? <laughs> so, it's, family's the place where we learn to develop character, the character of Jesus Christ. It, it's family is the first place that the fruit of the Spirit is, is manifest. It's the first place where we're loving and patient and kind. I, I read a statement that really disturbed me this last week and last couple of weeks during some study. Statement said this, it said, most families would be better off if they would treat each other like they treat strangers on the street. Unfortunately, in way too many families, that's a reality. But there's hope. It doesn't have to stay that way. It doesn't have to remain that way. It doesn't have to keep being that way any longer. Amen? So I believe that God wants to, to let faith and, and patience and grace and kindness and mercy begin to grow and to develop in our lives. 
So that's great, Pastor Sam. That's wonderful. How does it happen? How do we fix our families? I want to give you just a couple of, a couple of ways that I think that we fix our families. <clears throat> One is the first way, and, and let me encourage you, come back next week. I'm going to have a whole list of things. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how to do it, and here's why to do it. Okay, So you list people aren't getting your game. We'll have some lists. We'll have some characteristics of what healthy, successful families look like. All right, but, but let, let me just start with this today. The, the first thing is, There's a teaching in leadership that says this. It says that if you're going to be a leader, the first first person you have to lead is you. Has anybody ever found, man, I've got all kinds of ideas for everybody else to be successful. You know, I, 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 I mean, I can tell people how to diet. I'm not saying I can live it. I'm just saying I can tell you how, right? I can tell you how to have, have discipline. I can tell you how to do budget. I can t- but you know what? The first person we have to, to lead is ourselves. And so the first thing when it comes to having, I believe, fixing our family is, I want to share this, is you need to know your responsibility within the context of the family. Listen to me. Don't check out here. You need to know your responsibility you're not responsible for everything. Some people should be shouting right now. Thank you, God. <laughs> I mean, thank you, Lord. You mean I'm not responsible to make every person in my family happy? I'm not responsible to make them feel good about themselves. I'm not responsible to make them disciplined or to make them responsible. That's not your responsibility. Yvette and I both have looked back now and we, we recognize that, that some of the greatest days, one of the greatest days of our marriage was when we learned, we discovered, we received the revelation from Jesus Christ that it wasn't our job to fix each other. <laughs> I mean, my job was tough, hers was impossible, right? So, <laughs> yeah, okay, thank, I appreciate that. <laughs> But it, it, all of a sudden, I, we come to the place of understanding, wait a minute, it's not my responsibility. Listen, I'm telling you, it's not your responsibility for everyone and everything that happens in your family. It's not your responsibility. And, and folks, I'm telling you, this. some of you that know one of my freedom testimonies knows this is a huge thing in my life. There was a point in time when I thought I was responsible for everything, not only in my family, but lots of families. And, and can I tell you what that do, will do? When you try to take on responsibility, you try to take on something that you're not equipped for, that you're not, it's not appointed to you, the only possible outcomes are going to be a sense of failure or continual frustration. And if you've been living, feeling like you're a failure or just continually frustrated with my, my spouse, my kids, my parents, my, my existence. Can I tell you today that, that in all probability, you're taking on responsibility that's not yours. You see, your responsibility isn't everyone else. Your responsibility is you. Your responsibility is you. And sometimes the busyness of taking every care of everybody else and everything else has kept you from drawing close to the Lord has kept you 
from seeking God with all of your heart and loving him with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your strength and with all of your soul and with all of your being. So you need to find out, God, what is it that you want me to do? Not, not taking on everybody's responsibility, but stepping into the, the place, into the, into the single responsibility that God gives you. I'm telling you, it will change your life. And in just a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Second thing is, I think just learn what it is that God wants to teach you. Learn what it is that God wants to teach you. What's God wanting to teach you in this time or in this situation that you're in? Listen, God is an excellent steward. He doesn't waste time. He doesn't waste situations. He doesn't waste circumstances. So if God has you in the midst of a, of a, of a difficult family issue, can I tell you that, that you're your, your responsibility is not to try to figure out what to do in every single person's life. Your responsibility is to go to the Lord and say, God, what is it you're wanting to show me in this time? What are you wanting to teach me? Now, I'm talking to the right people here. Are there people here that still need some, to learn some things? Is there anybody here that says, man, I haven't got it all figured out. I haven't got it all perfected. God, I'm still, I've got a teachable spirit. God, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. So God, what is it that you're wanting to teach me in this situation? Let me specifically ask you a couple of questions. How is it with your heart? How's your heart? Are you loving God with all of your heart? Or is an area of your heart still filled with unforgiveness and bitterness and tension? And and all of a sudden, the thought of gathering around a Thanksgiving table or a Christmas table with that person causes your neck to flush and your ears to turn red and your blood pressure to raise and, and for you to want to withdraw and back up. How's your heart? Are you walking in forgiveness? Have you let go of bitterness? Has, have you put resentment far from you? Have, you? have you brought it all under the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you... Have you experienced the freedom in your life of forgiving others? How's your heart? Are you loving God with all of your soul? Are you ruling your feelings? Or are your feelings ruling you? We used to have a saying around here that said, feelings don't get a vote. How many people know that if you lived by feeling alone, you would be up a creek, you'd be in deep trouble, right? Does anybody ever feel like just punching somebody right in the mouth? No, sir. Just me. Oh, you three. There's four, there's four of us, okay? Okay, a few of us, right? And you get out on South Broadway, right, the day after Thanksgiving, and you just feel great, right? And you're just glad to be there. You're feeling good. No problems, no road rage, no anger, right? No. Man, we deal with the issues and the struggles. So let me just ask you. Have you submitted your emotions to God? Seriously. Why would we want to have our emotions submitted to anyone else other than God? I mean, it really makes me, when I hear somebody say this and they go, that person just makes me so angry. 
My question is, why would you want to give that person that much control of your life? Why would you want to give that person so much power, so much influence over who God's called you to be? They don't get that right. The only person that gets to define and who we're going to be and how our emotions are going to be is God. Amen? And I believe he's saying that I want to fill your life with joy. How about your attitude? Are you staying positive? Okay. Right? And how's that work out in our life, right? Are we walking in faith? I put a big note down here and big asterisk. How about your words? What things are you saying? What things are you speaking? What are the things that are coming out of your mind? What are you saying about that wife? Is that a, a godly wife and a wonderful wife? And she's the best of all women. And, and there's never been a finer woman in all of the world. If not, maybe if we get what we speak, maybe we're getting what we spoke. Right? You are the greatest. You're the best cook ever. I didn't laugh. That's them. That's them. That's them. I did not say a thing. I am just declaring that in the name of Jesus. And it's coming to pass, folks. I'm telling you, it's happening. It's happening. Right? See, are your words, I'm just telling you, folks, you've got to watch your words, right? What you're declaring, what you're speaking. Are you speaking that that... That child that's out there, they are going to find their place. They are going to come back to God. They are going to walk in their destiny. They are going to be who God's called them to be, and nothing's going to keep them from. Is that what you're speaking out over them? Are you speaking health and life into, their, into them? Is that what you're declaring and decreeing so that it shall be in the earth? Am I talking to the right people this morning? Is that what you're speaking? Are your words... Words of faith, are you seeing from God's perspective? Are you agreeing with God? How about your body? How about your body? Do you all love me? Somebody tell me you love me, right? Does anybody love me? Anybody? Just raise your hand. Do you? I love Pastor Sam. Raise your hand. All right. We're going to check this in just a minute. All right, here. So, How about your actions? How are you treating people? Are your actions focused on treating them how God... Uh, are, are your actions, um, how are you treating people? How are you, and how are you treating yourself? Are your actions directed by the Holy Spirit? What are you turning to? What are you giving control of your appetites, your body? Is it to TV? Football doesn't count. Is TV, okay? Right? Especially during this season. That's, God says you can have a timeout on TV, okay? So, right? Are we turning to TV? to food. How many people love Pastor Sam now, right? Okay, all right. Are we turning to drugs, to alcohol? What are we using to anesthetize that angst, that, that unrest, that, that stuff that's going on in our hearts? Sexuality, porn, what is it? If we're turning to anything other than the Lord, to get what we need, we'll never have what we need to give to those that need it. Everybody get that? We go to God first. We get from him first what we need. 
so they can, we can pour it out to others. Listen, I, I, I know there are difficult times going on, but let me share this scripture with you. It's not, I didn't give it to the guys. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 says this. It says, although he was a son, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect. Look, God's plan is not that you stay in suffering, but that you move to perfection. Amen? It's not staying in the trouble, in the situation, in the circumstance. It's overcoming it and moving on to victory. Having learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect, he became the source of salvation to all who obey him. God is working in you and preparing to work through you. To work through you, and I believe that it's going to start. It's going to start with our families and in our families. Amen? Amen. Now, here's how I want us to close today. And this is just a practical aside. We'll talk more about this next week. But some of you have been praying for some things but not preparing for the answer to come. I I mean, really. Suppose suppose God brought that, that, that prodigal child back home today. Would, would the room be ready? Would, the, would, would, would your heart be ready to accept them? Would you, would you be in a place where you could, you, you could be in right relationship with them or would they have to grovel their way back? Are you ready to be loving and kind and merciful and graceful to them? Or would you have them on a short leash and boy, you break one rule and now we gotta get our hearts right, we gotta get prepared. I don't know why, I'm just going to give this to you. I think that there's some people here that, that maybe there's some broken relationships and, and I don't even know how you go about getting together with this person to even talk about them. Maybe that's not even a possibility. Maybe, maybe they've passed away, but, but, but listen to this. I think that there's some people here today that you need to write a letter. I'm not saying mail it. Just, but, but I'm saying you need to write a letter to somebody and just begin to write a letter and just say, dear dad, mom, son, daughter, ex-wife, ex-husband, and just maybe pour some of those things out from your heart. I do forgive you and I pray God's blessing on you. And I remember the gifts and the calling of God on your life. And I'm, I'm asking God to just bless you. I'm not saying you have to mail, but I'm just saying, prepare your heart. Prepare your heart for the work that God wants to do. Does that make sense to anybody? Anybody get that? I'll tell you this real quickly. <clears throat> Years ago, my, some of you know my story with my dad, but I was going on a trip. And, um, and uh, the Lord spoke to me to do a couple of things while I was on that trip. One was I am... Um, I made a series of daily devotions for my family uh, that they still haven't watched, but um, no, <laughs> no, they, they did a couple of them. I, so, but the Lord told me to, to film uh, back in, this is back in the VHS days, right? Uh, to, to do a little film and to mail it to my dad. And uh, so I remember one time I just sent and told, told him, dad, I love you. And the, shared the gospel and all this. And and um, I asked my mom one time, I said, you, did dad ever watch that video? And she goes, oh yeah, he watched it. I said, just, just, did he just kind of watch one through it? She goes, well, you know, he would never want me to tell you this, but there were a couple times when during the night I noticed that he uh, 
wasn't sleeping or something, and he'd come out and I'd see him, he'd have that video playing. Years later, I had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord. Folks, I wish I could convey what's in my spirit, what's in my heart today. I believe some of you are standing in a place where you're carrying, it's not your responsibility, but you're carrying from the Lord an appointment that, that you're going to be pivotal in the work of what God wants to do through your family. You know, when I first got saved in Acts, uh, there was a scripture, and I think it's Acts 16, that in Acts chapter 16, the scripture says something like this, that um, I think he was talking to Cornelius, he says, hey, if you get saved, if a man shall be saved, so shall his household. That doesn't mean that just my salvation saves everybody, but it's, it's kind of the starting point. It's the entry point. It's the seed. And I began to, God, you've promised. You promised because I got saved that my household, and can I tell you that I'm claiming my household and I'm praying for the lost people and I'm praying for the lost grandmother and grandfathering and I'm praying for the lost and I began to pray. And can I tell you that 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 I got to see, I had the privilege of leading my grandmother to the Lord. And, and the night, this next week, the first week of December is a very interesting week, but the night before my brother died, I was talking to him on the phone, and he said, hey, Sam, you know, you're right. All those things you said, I've been, I know I've been playing with God, but, but I've made a decision to give him a thousand percent. And the next phone call I got was in the morning when it said that he had died. I, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm so sorry that he died, but I can't tell you the peace that it brings of knowing that I prayed and contended for his soul and that God in his amazing grace and his goodness and his kindness let him give his life a thousand percent to the Lord. Can I tell you this morning, I believe we're contending for something in the Spirit you're contending for some things that maybe you don't even realize and understand. And here's how I want to close the service today. I want to pray over families. Now, if you're a family of one that's here today or a family of many, I want to, I want to invite you. Please, everybody, please stand. Please stand.